Hello, and welcome to Vague Booking. I'm your co-host, Carter Moon. Thank you so much for being here. This week, we are very pleased to bring you our Something Awful episode. Something Awful is a notorious internet forum that started in the late 90s and has shaped so much of what we now think of as internet culture. To start this episode, we have a uh, harrowing story from uh, the Something Awful forums, one of the most infamous stories of all time. Uh, I do have to warn you that that is pretty explicit, uh, so don't listen to it uh, in a public space, and maybe brace yourself for some pretty uh, extreme descriptions of people with uh, mental illness. It's a fascinating example of the tone of something awful, though, and it's read extremely well by our friend Alexander Nazniak. If you want to learn more about something awful and its impact on internet culture, uh, we really, really recommend Dale Barron's excellent book, It Came From Something Awful. It focuses a lot on 4chan and 8chan, but it traces the history of how Moot, who started 4chan, originally came from something awful, as the title suggests. Uh, It's an excellent book and just a a wonderful analysis of how the internet has shaped our culture and especially our politics. I can't recommend it enough. After our story, we also have an interview with two former goons who used to post on something awful. Jacob actually used to post on something awful a good bit as well and lurk on there, so he made some friends through that forum, uh, and they share their stories and their perspective on the website and the impact that it's had. Part 1. Meet Jed. There recently was a thread about awful roommates along with pictures. I have my own experience. Housing complex. The units are basically small cottages made for two roommates, with a common area and an attached kitchen, a small storage closet and common area containing water pipes leading to the suite A's bathroom. The two private areas of the suite contain a private bedroom, a sliding glass patio door, and a private bathroom. Sounds idyllic. My roomie Jed liked to throw parties. He liked tarantulas too, and kept six. For the sake of saving my effort in recounting this story, here's a basic rundown of the chaos. This run-through of incidents is going to be kind of terse because I'm working off a checklist I made a while ago. During our stay together, my roommate, he brought his motorcycle into our common room because he was afraid it would be stolen. This was fine, but then he started it and let it idle for 15 minutes without opening any windows, causing all of our stuff to smell like motor exhaust. After his girlfriend left him, he went berserk in his private bathroom with a sledgehammer or geologist's hammer and smashed all of his bathroom fixtures. I'm not sure of this, but I believe that just before she left him, she fucked some guy with pubic lice in my bed during a party. His toilet was inoperative at this point, so he used mine for a time until I refused him access. Later, I would find out that he shat in garbage bags and kept them in the common room closet for weeks. More on this later. He set fire to our carpet with alcohol during a party. He pissed in the fridge. He shat in the fridge. He shat in the crisper drawer. He shat on the oven top, and instead of cleaning it up, turned on the burner, reasoning that carbon is easier to clean than feces. He left a dead cat he found somewhere in our oven for a week and forgot about it. I discovered it later. He owned six tarantulas and would let one run around free range. He assured me that he had tamed it. I assured him he was a stupid fuckhead. He never showered. He sold drugs from his room. He smoked pot with his friends in the common area. He spilled bong water on two of my textbooks. 
he and his friends hid cocaine off the television set in the common area. He had a party to which he invited too many people, and they spilled in my room. Strangers had sex in my room at that party, in my bed. One of them had pubic lice. Someone took a dump in my closet. Someone left a used condom in my slipper. I discovered all of these things after it was too late. Morning after said party, my mother knocked on the front door, and a stranger from that party answered and immediately threw up on her legs. Crackheads would regularly come by our apartment at all hours of the night trying to buy drugs because of his illicit activities. Whenever I answered the door and indicated that there was no crack to be had, they would sometimes get desperate, belligerent, and violent and refuse to leave. He put food products containing milk, meat, and cheese on the heating unit and turned it on for three hours to see what would happen. I could have told him what would happen if you asked me. He got angry at some video game he and his friends were playing in the common area, so he busted into my room while I was sleeping and punched me in the face and stomach. A few days later, he put a tarantula in my bed sheets while I was sleeping. Thankfully, I wasn't bitten, but I was freaked out and still sometimes jump out of bed in the middle of the night for no reason and attack my sheets. He shat in a lot of our fixtures. He would put his shit in baggies and leave them in strange places. I was thankful for when he used a baggie. A few words of advice for potential roommates? A light fixture is not a toilet. A heating vent is not a toilet. The sink is not a toilet. The oven is not a toilet. That is all. I was pissed at this point. He refused to clean or take care of all the messes listed above, so I ended up cleaning them, but keeping an hourly log and catalog of what work I did and worked out a bill, which I sent to him. I was tired of cleaning feces out of our refrigerator, finding turds in our crisper drawer, shit on the stovetop, vomit on the carpet, vomit in our potted plants, vomit on the grill of our television set, urine on the carpet, urine on the kitchen floor seeping behind the refrigerator, dead animals in our oven and freezer units, and bags of feces hidden in our light fixtures. Have you ever had to move your refrigerator out of its little nook to get behind it to clean urine mixed with whatever the fuck lurks behind a refrigerator in the first place? After sending him the cleaning bill and getting a refusal of payment, I took some of his stuff, dumped it in his storage unit across town, and held it until he paid me back. He stole some of my stuff in retaliation, but I called the cops and repossessed my belongings. He was unable to articulate to the cops that I had some of his shit in this exchange, so I ended up basically getting my shit back while he had to be put in the car to cool off. Upon retrospect, I think maybe he became mentally ill after losing his girlfriend, and not being able to part with his feces was part of his illness. This is purely speculative. He wasn't poor, he was from a wealthy family. They don't come into the picture though. This is where the ceiling begins. Put a date mark right here, because this is where shit gets crazy. I had had enough. I bought a mini fridge, a plug-in stovetop, two padlocked foot lockers, a wooden bar, duct tape, a remote control car, and an external padlock. My private area had two entrances. Here I best sum up my little fortress in this post I made in another thread. Actually, upon reflection, I really want to share how I kept my roommate out of my private area. It was dubbed the Home Alone Security System. I had two potential entrances to my private area, a sliding glass patio door and a regular door to the common area. I secured the common door with a padlock on the outside which is really just for show. The inside was barricaded. At the bottom I had a rolled up towel and I sealed the rest of it with tape to avoid smell or other chemical assaults from the common area. I packed against the door with my king-size bed, which was in turn secured from being dislodged by a bookshelf full of weights and books. Even if he got through the padlock, he would not have been able to open the door without busting it in two. The top half of the door was unsecured. I was worried he might break the door again and gain access. So when I seized his stuff, I had it put in public storage across town. Now the sliding glass door is where the home alone shit comes in. It had a lock, but it was non-functional and only accessible from the inside. So in order to secure the door while I was away, I got a remote controlled car, attached it to a string which was secured by a fisheye screw at the top of the door, 
and tied to a security bar which would drop into the tread of the sliding door, preventing it from being opened. Anyone who has had a sliding glass door would know how this works, but if anyone needs further explanation, I'm happy to furnish it. So when I came home, I would whip out my little remote control, make the RC car run off and lift the bar, then gain access to the apartment. To prevent the system from being discovered, I papered the inside of the sliding door with butcher paper, and I ran a wire outside of the door in an obvious manner, so that the roomie would think that this wire somehow, if tugged correctly, would undo the lock. To my knowledge, all of his attempts to get inside my apartment were by messing with this wire, which was attached to the handle of an antique coffee grinder in a paint can. If you tugged it, you'd get a weird little uneven resistance as the handle crank turned in the paint can dance, which added to the illusion that this wire was some secret way of ingress. I heard this account from the neighbors, because it occurred to me while I was away, but apparently he had lost his front door key, had some kind of intestinal problem, and had to take a shit really bad. All in... All of the neighbors he knew he had already hit up for toilet access and had been refused by this point. So he's swearing like crazy and yanking at this wire, and bashing against the door in a frenzied desperation when the neighbors call the cops, reporting a being eaten. When the cops show up, he's taking a shit in the bushes just outside my window. I fucking hate him so much. I think he went crazy and lost all of his friends at some point, because around the time I barricaded, I stopped hearing parties. In fact, I stopped hearing anything from the common area of the apartment, except for the occasional formless moans and thumping. I don't know precisely what went on in there, because I mentally washed my hands of the whole area. I did, however, start smelling odors. I taped up my door. I know I wasn't smart to do things like this, but I was just fucking sick of dealing with this shit. I didn't call the landlord or anything, despite the fact that I knew he was destroying things over there. After cleaning so much of this shit up, I just wanted the universal god of justice to see what a wreck this place would become without my presence. Forgive me for being a little spotty in my descriptions after this point. What I do know of what transpired over there, I can only reconstruct from forensic evidence. What precisely was destroyed. What common friends have told me in their accounts. And two forays over into the waste zone over the next two months. I essentially didn't even see the front door of our apartment during this time. Part 2. Feces The feces he left around falls into three categories. A. Experiments he conducted. The stovetop feces thing was an experiment he conducted after his toilet was broken, and I refused him access to mine, and his neighbors got sick of letting him use theirs. I think he was trying to find some new way of getting rid of his shit. Either that, or he thought it would be funny to make me clean shit off of his stovetop, and then got curious about what would happen if he turned on the burner. He really liked playing with heating elements and fire. It was fucking stupid. The dead cat in the oven, I think, falls into this category as well. B. Feces in the refrigerator, shit in the closet, vomit on the TV, etc. I lump this into the oops I shat on your carpet during a party category. C. Shit inside baggies in various places. After I stopped letting him use my bathroom, he got angry, and I think this started off as his way of proving to me that I should let him use my bathroom. After a while of this, I think it started to take on a life of his own, and he started stashing his feces due to some mental illness. This is purely speculative. Okay, if you've ever owned a sliding door, you know that you can secure it from being opened by putting a wooden dowel in the treads while the door is closed. This is great, except it can't be opened from the outside. So what I did was I attached a string to the dowel and led the string up to the top of the door through a little loop nail and back down to a remote-controlled car. By moving the car with a remote control from outside the apartment, I could cause the string to be tugged, raising the dowel and granting me access to the interior of the apartment. I'm almost more proud of the wire trick because I gained endless pleasure from that fucker spending hours and hours trying to yank on this stupid dummy wire I put out there for him in order to get inside and mess with my shit. Quoting a previous post, he says, Are you just a wimp? First time I found a turd in the apartment outside of a waste receptacle, I would have yelled at him at the top of my lungs and made him clean it up. Actually, Jed was much smaller than me, and emaciated. In retrospect, I could have taken him easily. That's just not how I do things. I do not break the law, ever. 
I absolutely must have a clean, orderly house, which is why I went around cleaning shit up regardless of who did it. I am not some cowardly little bitch, in fact. I think Jed was afraid of me, which is why he did passive-aggressive shit like shitting light fixtures. I generally don't try to solve disputes by shouting or anything. I just quietly gave notice of the unacceptable condition, document it, and clean it up. Somewhere back at my parents' house, I have a box full of typed, dated, signed letters to Jed stating the date, time, and extent of a mess I had to clean up, and a notice that such behavior is not acceptable, and that unless he stopped, I would move out and make him responsible for rent. These letters helped me eventually recover back rent from him for the equivalent value of the common area he exclusively occupied during my stay there. I eventually got so pissed off at the condition of the rest of the apartment that I could only deal with it by sealing it off and ignoring it. Essentially, there is a blank period of about a month where I absolutely ignored anything from the common area, which is why it got so bad. I was crazy busy with schoolwork and my job, so I basically just shut the whole situation out of my mind for a while. After some time, I came to the realization that this guy might start a fire and get us both killed, which is really the beginning of the end. The thing that ended the insanity was his discovery that A, he had access to the fuse box, and B, he could trip the fuse to my room with some metal and a hallway plug, and C, he was too stupid to manually flip the fuse box and just turn off my power, so he had to go the fire hazard route. I think he might have been afraid of touching the fuse box for fear of being electrocuted, but I'll detail the downfall of this shit later. For those of you wondering why I didn't call the landlord, I was kind of in denial. I just figured that whatever happened over there was Jed's business. I think I was on a sublease under him at the time too, so I wasn't too worried about damage to the apartment. I withheld rent from him during this time too. His family was paying rent for the whole unit, and I would reimburse him directly. I deducted clean costs and other things from the rent I paid him. I think he was too embarrassed or crazy to call me on it, or have his lawyer financial guru daddy get me busted. Quick fact, his father was on the cover of Forbes magazine like eight years ago. Have you ever had something go wrong, and knowing it was someone else's responsibility, just didn't intervene out of sheer curiosity about how fucking bad it would get? I didn't turn him in for that reason too, I just wanted to see how bad it would get. I was stupid, mad, curious, really didn't have any responsibility for damage to the unit, knowing his family would cover the costs. Edit. So basically, I didn't kick his ass for two reasons. A, I am always law abiding to a fault, and B, the setup I made was really very convenient for me, I made it so I never even had any contact with the guy. It was basically rent free. I paid $50 a month in rent after all of the deductions for unsanitary conditions and ouster from the common area I made, and documented, and got to keep after the courts got done looking at it, and I was exiting and entering from the opposite end of the house. Basically, I only really knew what Jed was up to during this period from forensic evidence in the apartment and the accounts of friends, neighbors, and the police. From my perspective, imagine this. You're strapped for cash. Someone offers you a studio apartment with mini fridge and bathroom for $50 a month. And after you move out, you're given a few thousand dollars just for living there. The only catch is that there's a closet you can't open, and you have to tape around the edges, and the lock to get in is a remote-controlled car room. Sounds like a good deal to me. Jed couldn't make much noise to bother me after I confiscated his music equipment. All the people talking about going ape shit sound like nutballs to me. I'm very easygoing, and I came out of this ahead. I'll get to the renumeration later. Also, it was very satisfying to have this asshole shit in a locker across town and know that he desperately wanted to fuck with my shit but couldn't. And couldn't prove I ganked his stuff. He would flip the fuck out and rage from this. I think that might have contributed to his degeneration into madness. Part 3. Timeline I kind of messed up the timeline for this stuff, so here's a quick run through before I continue the story. Time 8. Tons of parties, vomit being cleaned up by me, tarantula, punching, etc. 
I start withholding rent at this point, and I am subtracting $200 a month from the rent for cleaning costs. Time B. His girlfriend leaves him. His friends stop hanging out with him. He smashes his bathroom. He uses mine for a time, is denied access, uses neighbors for a time, is denied access, and is angry at me for refusing him access to my bathroom. I fixed his faucets so they wouldn't leak all over the place and sent him a bill. He gets really pouty and angry and does the famous shit on the stove top. He does experiments with various places to piss and poop, eventually settling on leaving it in baggies around the house. When I tell him that this is unacceptable, he responds with a demand to use my bathroom, which I refuse. Around this time, while cleaning the stovetop, I find the cat in the oven. It has a collar on it, so I put it in a box and return it to the owners, not explaining where I found it and advising them not to look in the box. I don't know how that turned out, and I didn't give them my name. I hope it got hit by a car and wasn't killed by Jed. Time C. Jed starts trying to get at me by playing his subwoofer really loud at odd hours and demanding to use the bathroom. I get back at him by packing away all of his stuff, including the audio equipment, and storing it in a friend's storage unit across town. I think that he started to go truly crazy at this point. I come home finding him taking things out of my room and putting them into his truck. I restrain him and call the police. By this point, he's beyond all rationality and is completely flipping out, so he is put in the cop car for a while, and the officer helps me unload my things from his truck. For some bizarre reason, the officer does not arrest him, but after talking to him, lets him go. I think my calm temperament made the officer not realize he was violent, and that is why I was restraining him. My motto in life, so it goes. Time D. I dub this time the ceiling. I really don't mind cleaning up poop and piss. I used to be assistant manager of an apartment complex, but it is taking too much time to clean. I buy a range top and seal things off after writing a surrender letter to Jed, declaring that he has evicted me from the common area. Shortly after I come up with my home alone security system, withhold rent except for a nominal $50 a month, and go on with life as if I did not have a crazy roommate sealed away in the other end of the apartment. Time left on lease at this point, two months. Edit. Time D is where he shits in the bushes and is arrested for the night. Time E, the black time. I am not sure exactly what went on in the apartments during these two or three weeks. This is around the time finals are going on, so I really don't care. Water starts leaking from the wall, so I re-enter the common area to see what is up. This description really deserves its own post and will clog the timeline up, so I'll elaborate later. I fix the water leak, which he has been covering up with newspapers, and promptly exit. Once he finds out I was in his area, he flips out and makes a lot of noise over there, but I did not investigate. Remainder. There is one further final re-entry by myself with a flashlight. I couldn't get in with my key because the door is messed up, and his sliding door is blocked with a mattress. So I kicked down the door and entered. After a quick walkthrough, I called the fire department, the landlord, the police, and an ambulance. This is full of drama and will be detailed in its own post. The Black Tie. I'm very preoccupied with work and school at this point. Since my point of entry on the house is opposite from the front door, the only real contact I have with Jed at this point is what I can hear from him through the walls and whatever odor seeps under the door past my homeland security setup. This is pretty tolerable as a condition, definitely worth the $50 a month I was paying for it, but I was starting to get worried. I was worried about Jed's tarantulas getting into the ventilation system, so I sealed that off with plastic wrap and duct tape. Then I started worrying about fire. Jed liked to play with heating elements and flames, and he was an alcoholic, so I was worried with a sealed off vent I wouldn't know if the house were on fire. At around 3pm I was studying when I noticed that my feet were getting wet. Upon inspection, the carpet next to the wall was wet. I went around to the front of the house and found that the door was ajar. I went back to my apartment and picked up a plumber's wrench and a flashlight to see what was wrong. I'm not exactly the best at descriptions, as you can probably tell from the poor quality of writing in this thread, but here's the best I can do. 
I'll try to portray these things from my perspective at the time and not reveal what they eventually turned out to be. I unlocked the front door of the apartment and pushed it open after confirming that Jed's truck was gone. The lights in the place were out and the shades were drawn. The light shone inside and revealed that there were strange particulates hanging in the air. Not quite smoke. I would say that the odor was so thick in the apartment that it could be seen with the naked eye. Upon reflection, I imagined that what I was seeing was mold spores. As the arc of light from the bright outside swept across the room, a few things were revealed in sequence. First off, the common area was absolutely covered in free student newspapers. There were obviously things underneath because the newspapers bulged, and I could even identify an easy chair covered in newspapers in the corner. The kitchen was crammed with garbage. I could identify two large bulky garbage bags in the corner of the common room. Investigating them further, I discovered that they were covered in some kind of glistening brown muck. The whole place smelled absolutely rank. I swept my light across the place a few times just to make sure Jed wasn't lying there in wait with a knife or something, so I proceeded into the apartment, leaving the door open. I took some Vicks vapor rub from my pocket and dabbed just under my nose. The garbage bags had been hastily pulled out of the common room closet, the one which contains pipes leading to Jed's bathroom. I shined a light into the closet and a rat or mouse or something ran very quickly under the newspapers in the common room. I looked and saw that there were several dents in a pipe in the common closet, and it was otherwise soaked. Finding no immediate source for the water, I proceeded into the hallway area towards Jed's room. I was a little uneasy because the whole place was filled with debris. The common furniture that came with the apartment was lodged in the strangest places. Like the hallway to Jed's room had the common couch in it, upturned. I climbed over that after making sure Jed wasn't under it. I was a little more nervous because my egress had been essentially blocked by this couch and walked past the debris. It looked like he was salvaging equipment and building materials from local construction yards. I could identify the hallway, piping materials, a toilet lid, cinder blocks, scrap wood, and a box of pilfered nails. Jed's large sledgehammer, or geologist's hammer, I don't know which, was lodged in the door of the room. I pushed it open and the damn thing fell out, giving me a fright. Anyway, I proceeded into his room, which was strangely clean. There was nothing in there, but the floor was absolutely soaked. I realized what happened. He realized there was water everywhere and threw all of his shit outside of the room into the hallway and leaned his mattress against the sliding door, where it remained, to my knowledge, for like two weeks. I have no idea where he was sleeping. The leak was coming from his bathroom, so I went in with my wrench ready to clock the shit out of my crazy roommate if he should jump at me. I saw the familiar bathroom... I saw the familiar smashed bathroom fixtures, and I was very thankful for the Vicks vapor rub, but the stench stung my eyes still. There was a bathtub covered in newspapers. I prodded it with my wrench and the newspapers gave way, like they were on top of jello or something soft and organic. I prodded it harder, and what I can only describe as fecal fluid seeped from the sides of the newspaper. I think he was taking shits in the bathtub and covering it with newspapers, like some kind of foul lasagna. The leak was coming from under his sink which he had dislodged through some violence. I could see the remains of a cinder block on the pipe, so I think he might have been hitting the pipe with a cinder block. I turned off the water to the sink, stopping the leak, and decided that it would be best if I left before he returned. On my way out, I climbed into the kitchen area and opened the fridge just out of curiosity. There was a ball-like organic mass in the middle, with tendrils of mold growing out of it. It was roughly the size of a human head with a large dent in it. Not desiring to get toxic mold in my nostrils, I closed the fridge and surveyed the common closet again. The walls of the closet were covered in a black, shiny material which glistened. Upon closer inspection, it was mold. I didn't know that mold looked like that. I prodded the newspapers a little bit, but remembering the rat and not wanting to get bitten, I left the apartment, closing the door behind me. 
I got a towel and did my best to dry out the carpet. I left my sliding glass door open to help air the place out. I printed out a notice to Jed that I had entered and fixed his sink and placed it under the door. I later heard Jed come home and he obviously discovered I had been in there because he started freaking out, swearing, and throwing things around. I heard the couch in the hallway get rammed into my door. He threw a tantrum for another five minutes. Then I heard the front of the apartment door slam. I heard him approach my sliding glass door, swearing, and I can only imagine that after seeing it open, he decided not to come any further. Like I said, the guy was afraid of me. He left in his truck a few minutes later to return in ten minutes. I heard strange moaning and stumbling around in the apartment after that. I think he was moving furniture or something. I heard breaking glass a few times, but after that, silence. Quoting another poster in the thread, Spiders freak me out. Just the thought of one of his six coming flying at me from under some newspaper would be enough to make me torch the place and run screaming into the night. Excellent writing and story, anxiously awaiting the most assuredly horrifying conclusion, preferably involving spider death. He responds, Oh, I completely forgot about that. Yeah. I was not only afraid of Jed popping out with a knife, I was also afraid of those tarantulas. They were like a big unknown X-factor in the apartment. Normally, I'm not very frightened of just god-awful messes or rats, but if you throw giant tarantulas into the mix, it really drives me up a wall, especially in terrain like that. I was imagining setting my hand down on a part of a couch right as I was climbing over it and setting it right down on top of one of those hairy bastards. They can move, too. The fact that there were newspapers all around for them to hide under didn't help. But I imagine that they had plenty to eat while in that apartment and possibly gave birth to a jillion other little tarantulas. Quoting another post in the thread, Can you please answer my question about the batteries from the previous page, too? He replies, I was worried about this, too. Apparently it worked out, though, because it could sit for long periods of time without draining the battery. I tested it, and it lasted a weekend with no problem, not even slight sluggishness. I think it went into sleep mode or something. I had a crazy backup system whereby the car wasn't required to even lift the bar, but instead just nudged a little thing that would roll down a ramp, knocking the bar out of place, just in case it was running too low on power to lift the bar. But I never had to use it because the batteries lasted. They even lasted for a week while I was away on break. The kidnapping. Let's get this over with. So as I said, I am a pretty easygoing person and I could tolerate this situation pretty endlessly. But as I hinted earlier, Jed eventually made the situation unlivable. Here's how it goes down. I've long been using a cell phone since Jed pretty much has control of our apartment phone. And whenever anyone calls, he'll answer with crazy talk. To my knowledge, he still has access to the storeroom in Long's Drugs, from which he had been stealing crates full of random stuff. Anyway, lately, Jed was more active than usual. I hear a lot of heavy stuff getting dragged around and crashing, and lots of moaning, hollering, and other psychotic outbursts. One evening, I hear Jed making a hell of a lot of noise, then silence. Then I hear the front door slam, and his truck goes off. A while later, he comes back. I hear more slamming into things, and a bunch of really high-pitched, loud vocalizations, kind of like whales mating. I get a call on my cell phone. This is basically how it goes. Satan! Hi, Jed. You're nuts. I have Sarah. Jed's ex-girlfriend. Really? Listen. I immediately hear a high-pitched shrieking from the other end of the apartment and banging and stumbling around. Sarah is a water polo champ. I think if you somehow got her into the apartment, he would have to hit her in the head with his big geologist's hammer because there's no way he would be able to wrestle her inside conscious. At any rate, I bet at the time that he hadn't grabbed Sarah, and the high-pitched screaming was really that crazy motherfucker. I've been getting all kinds of crazy phone calls from Jed lately, so I called Bluff. 
That sounds like you, Jed. Come and see. I need to study. Bye, Jed. Click. This is a very normal response for me, because by this point, Jed had been calling me and saying all kinds of crazy shit. Basically, if I can hear him through the wall, I completely disregard anything he might say on the phone. He's called me once and begged for help because he's stranded on the NASCAR racetrack in the middle of a race, and I can clearly hear him through the wall. So I have a very trained, automated response to Jed's calls. Hi, Jed. You're crazy. That's nice. I need to study. Bye, Jed. At this point, I smell smoke. This is very disconcerting because, as I said earlier, I've been living in fear of the whole place going up in flames. I stand up from my desk, and at that very moment, the power goes out, and I hear Jed laughing like crazy through the wall. I hear what sounds like something banging against the pipes in his bathroom, and some other deeper noises which I haven't heard before. The noises have a sort of deep bass resonance, like a big drum, as if a bull or some other large creature were banging around over there. Jed's a small guy, and I don't think him capable of moving shit around heavy enough to make that kind of noise with that degree of frequency. Since I smelled smoke and the power was out, I grabbed my gigantic wrench, smear some dicks on my nose, put on my leather jacket, put on a motorcycle helmet I confiscated from Jed, and prepare myself for battle, bag light in hand. I am really psyched up at this point. I know a lot of you will be saying that I was stupid for operating like this, but I reasoned with myself that I had better go over there just in case he had captured some poor girl and was, I don't know, by the noise of it, bludgeoning her to death with a tuba. I headed around to Jed's car and looked inside. I saw he had rope and there was blood inside the cabin. I tried the door. It was locked. I smashed the window with a wrench and went inside the cabin. Behind the seat was some bloody rags. Ooh, shit. At this point, I decided I had better get the fuck in there and stop whatever he was up to. I felt really guilty at this point for letting it get this far. I decided that if I were to go in there and die, I would have earned it for letting him get that crazy for that long. I trucked it over to the door, set my wrench on the ground, and fumbled for my keys. I unlocked the door, but it wouldn't give. The door was moist. I didn't quite understand that. I pushed and pushed, but it hardly moved an inch. So I started stomping at the door as hard as I could. Eventually, I heard something slide and shift and collapse on the other side of the door, and I gave it another kick. My foot actually made a hole and went through the door, and I fell over. I started freaking out because I was worried Jed would stab my boot or something, so I struggled and hurt my ankle. I also broke my foot from the kicking. Eventually I calmed and got my foot out of the door and body checked the door. It came flying off the hinges and came completely to pieces. Okay, so I bashed the door in and I went flying into the apartment, head first into a wall that is right in front of the doorway. The couch had been barricaded against the door and my kicking caused it to tip over. It was still partially blocking the door. I immediately started struggling wildly once I was on the floor, flailing my wrench and mag light everywhere in case something was about to jump on me. I immediately exited the apartment, grabbed a metal patio chair, and hurled it into the blackened apartment in case anyone was in there. The motorcycle apartment was making it really hard to hear any kind of ambush, and it was covered in grease and filth from the couch, so I ditched it and proceeded inside. It was nighttime out, so I didn't get the benefit of a good light source from outside, and my mag light had grease on it. I saw a glow coming from the corner. I tried to smell if there was smoke coming from a particular direction, but the Vicks vapor rub made it difficult. I swung my light around the room and found it full of trash like it was before. There was no way I could ascertain whether Jed was hiding under something. I did note that some of the newspapers were covered in what looked like splotches of blood. From my forensics training, I could gather from the splotches that whatever shed them was moving at a high rate of speed through the apartment. I bounded over the couch into the apartment, landing on my broken foot and falling on my face in a lot of pain. I remembered the tarantulas and started freaking out again, scrambling to my feet and stumbling over towards the source of light. 
I discovered that Jed had stolen a large floodlight from Long's drugs, which was in the corner, smoldering the carpet. I grabbed that and quickly shone it all over the place. Suddenly I saw that there was a guy about six feet tall wearing a beige suit about two feet away from me, so I flipped the fuck out and tackled it. It turned out to be a cardboard stand-up of Captain Kirk Jed got somehow. I picked up my wrench again and limped onward. Re-entry. The apartment was completely silent by this point. All I could hear was some kind of dull, tubal thumping from inside the place, that same dull bass noise I heard earlier. Remembering my crack training at Counter-Strike, instead of going further in, I limped over to the kitchen area and flung shit around to make sure that nobody was hiding under the newspapers. I could see that he had gotten a lot more crap since the last time I was here. There were mason jars of urine in the kitchen, along with gallon jugs of the stuff. There were a lot of things he had obviously stolen from Long's drugs. There's a crate of Sour Patch Kids all over the place. On one wall was a poster of Homer Simpson naked drinking beer, and a bunch of knives had been stabbed into it. I was too angered and pumped up to be frightened. I opened the refrigerator and stomped the shelves apart while I was at it, just to be sure he wasn't hiding in there. I had a huge floodlight, but it couldn't illuminate everything all the time, especially with the dank murk of mold spores and the smoke, so I ended up trying to shine it everywhere at once as I proceeded. The common closet was closed, so I kicked that in and swung my wrench into the dark area within. I hit something soft, so I kept pounding at it, but it wasn't human. It was a trash bag full of something soft and yielding. I gave it a kick and moved on. I ripped the doorway off of the hall closet and swung my wrench inside, but I only hit a few canned goods in there. I could hear high-pitched shrieks coming from the interior of his room. His hallway was pretty fucking well-blocked with shit, so I started grabbing things and chucking them into the common room. He had a gigantic stuffed Pluto doll, about as big as a gorilla, which I chucked. Among the other things I hurled was a futon I recognized as salvage from the end of our block, some patio furniture, a bag full of McDonald's playpen balls, and something which was big, black, disgusting, soft, covered in growth, which I cannot even to this day identify. I crawled through the remaining debris with a wrench in front of me. This is embarrassing, but I forgot to mention. As I was hurling stuff, I had my wrench in my hand still, so I hit myself in the face with it. It required some stitches, and since I had hit the trash bag full of feces with the wrench, it got infected. So to tally it up, we have one broken foot, one twisted ankle, one gouged and splintered shin, and one bleeding ass face. So anyway, I'm crawling through the hole I made in the blockaded hallway. I finally realize why he has been making so much noise. The fucker has made some kind of evil fortress. If my room is the fortress of light, his is the fortress of evil and feces. I crawl through the hole and pop out in his room. My strategy when playing Doom 3, when I knew something bad was about to happen in a room I dropped into, was to run around like crazy in the dark and fling grenades. Well, instead of doing the slick commando thing and dropping into a crouch and assessing the situation, I popped out of that hallway barricade with my wrench and flashlight and ran like crazy into the pitch black room, swinging around at anything and everything. I connected with some stuff, but nothing human. My foot failed me and I fell over and crawled like mad to a corner. I dove for my flashlight, picked it up, and assessed the room. This place was full of fucking hostess products. This guy must have stolen at least two crates worth of the damn things. They were still in their wrapping. Twinkies, hostess cupcakes, all kinds of stuff. There was nobody in the room, but there was blood all over the place. I could hear that strange bass resonance from inside the bathroom. There was actually a light coming from there. It was rosy red coming from a crack in the bathroom door. I'm splicing this in because I was a lazy fucker and failed to describe the guy's room. The very air in Jed's room was absolutely thick with mold and smoke, which I couldn't smell from the Vicks, but it still stung my eyes anyway. 
He had smeared all kinds of crazy gibberish on the walls with what looked like red lipstick, and the walls themselves were absolutely covered in growth. The barricades in the hallway must have been there for a while, because they essentially kept a lot of moisture in the air in Jed's back section. Also, I forgot to mention this as well, but as I was running like a sissy through Jed's room, I knocked into his mattress, which he had leaned against the side door a few weeks prior, my estimate. The mattress was completely soaked and very heavy, and the instant it hit me, I thought I had fallen into an insidious trap or something, so I further injured myself by trying to struggle out from underneath it. Jed was making these freaky noises the moment I burst into his room, but the echo chamber effect of the bathroom and ventilation system and the strange nature of the noises made it difficult to determine where the hell they were coming from. Also, there were tons of boxes of Hostess cupcakes and other similar products. The carpets in his room were really rank. The previous water leak had made them dank with mold, and I can only imagine what the high fecal content of the air did. It was difficult to breathe and nearly impossible to see, which really added to my panic. It was almost like I had been buried alive. The scrawlings on the wall, though I didn't get to see them in much detail because I was far more concerned with other things at the time, were just creepy. The vibrations made me think for a second or two that he had tunneled under the apartment and I'd have to go into some kind of underground basement he'd made. Edit. Scrawlings on the wall from what I saw consisted of nonsense Latin words, tons of triangles within triangles within triangles trailing all over the place, a few goat Satan faces made of triangles. I got to my feet and regained my composure. I stomped over the hostess cupcakes and other miscellaneous crap he had lying on the ground. I would limp every time I remembered I had a hurt foot, but really, by this time, I didn't give a shit about the pain. I heard the shrieking from inside the bathroom, like some kind of high-pitched wailing, and a strange bass resonance. I kicked open the bathroom door and screamed at the top of my lungs, You fucking fuck shit! I wasn't in the right mind to come up with awesome catchphrases, so let's pretend I screamed something bannable like, The juice is loose! I stomped into the bathroom and was immediately physically struck by the most powerful odor I have ever, ever encountered. My nose was pretty fixed up, but somehow my eyeballs felt like they could smell the odor. I swung my wrench before I really looked to see what was going on and totaled what was left of the sink. In the corner of the bathtub, I saw Jed writhing around with a golden metallic object in the shit lasagna. He was freaking out and screaming. The other thing I noticed was the fire. In the remains of the toilet tank was a bunch of flaming papers right next to a can of paint thinner. I figured that Jeb threw in the thinner, thinking it would burst into flames, but he neglected to uncap the thing. So I grabbed the can of paint thinner and in one swift motion clocked Jeb in the hand with it. He started freaking out even more. And at that point, I could see that the object he was writhing with in the tub was a saxophone. He seemed to be bleeding all over his head, but it was hard for me to tell because of the shit smeared everywhere coming out onto the floor. The light bulb was covered in either nail polish or blood. I backed out of the room and grabbed a jug of urine and threw it at the fire. Remembering I should probably uncap the jug before using it to extinguish flames, I grabbed another one and actually poured it out. By this time, Jeb was trying to get out of the bathtub, so I stomped at him with my boot, closed the bathroom door, and jammed the fuck out of there after one final check for any hostages in the bedroom. Then I got the fuck out of there, rammed the exterior door with a patio table, and called the cops, the fire department, an ambulance, and after getting back into my place and looking up the number, the landlord. There. Done. Oh, and the aftermath? There was some court action for back rent, but all said and done they couldn't prove I was withholding rent because I paid Jed with cash on the barrel head, and I ended up actually getting paid money to stay there in the long run. I still have Jed's things to this day, and to my knowledge he's in a nut barn or something.
thank you to our friend Alexander for doing a phenomenal job reading uh, one of the most horrific things I've ever heard from the internet. If you enjoyed the music for this story, it was by my friend Ruth Dancing. You can find their music uh, in the episode description. Up next, we've got an interview with a pair of goons that Jacob was friends with from back in the day on Something Awful. I think they had a lot to say about the strange types of friendships that he made over the internet. That's a great little interview. Alright, I think we're good to go. Today we're joined by Andy and Kalen. We're talking about something awful, what it was like to be a goon back in the day. Uh, and yeah, everything related to that. Uh, I guess to get us started, can everybody go around and talk about how you got started posting on something awful? As well as your handles. Uh, I guess I could start, because I think I started right around 2003, and I didn't join on my own. A friend bought an account for me, and I named myself Unbootable, but I don't remember exactly why I chose that handle or where that comes from. But I've been lurking, basically. I've maybe posted like a hundred sometimes since 2003. I joined in like 2006, I think. One of my uh, friends in college suggested it to me. Uh, I was short stack there. I, I mainly lurked. You know, I was part of the part of GBS for a while because everyone starts in GBS, right? And I ended up I ended up in D and D for a while finally in c-spam then i left sometime last year and haven't really gone back weren't you guys like big into byob for a minute there andy was yeah a little bit i didn't understand byob i didn't really either and i think that was the beauty of it (laughs) um yeah i don't remember exactly when i registered but i mean I started lurking around the time when Andy registered because I hung out with him and all his roommates and they all registered around the same time. Um, I think I mostly lurked Gibbous, maybe Pet Island a little bit. I don't really remember. I probably actually registered around 2008 and my handle there was Gemzy, which is like an internet handle I use everywhere. So. You can go stalk me everywhere now. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, let's see. I got uh, <coughs> excuse me. Um, I learned quite a bit for a long while there in the Let's Play forums. Um, and then started trying to get pregnant and was in the trying to conceive thread. Got hooked up with a goon parenting group on Facebook that way. Um, mostly really haven't been posting, but I still lurk every now and then a little bit in D&D. Um, that's pretty much it. And can you guys talk about what made something awful different from other internet forums to you? Uh, I think part of it was that there was just such a variety of different topics to discuss. Like, like we've discussed, like GBS stands for like generalized bullshit. 
So it's the the catch-all for like, what's the news of the day? Like, what's happening? What are the weird photoshops you're making? Or like D&D stands for like debate and discussion, which is like the political forum as it were. So it was baby's first intro to like weird politics or like politics outside of the two-party system would happen in debate and discussion. So I don't know. It was just like a wide variety of a community of people with, I would say, differing perspectives, occasionally perspectives that would get you banned, but mostly healthy perspectives discussing a variety of strange topics. And that was appealing to me. I like that for some reason it attracted experts in so many different fields. Mm-hmm. So like like Jacob said, there was just a wide, tra- wide range of topics, but in almost all these sub forums, you would have some expert in whatever topic you were looking at. Um, and on top of that, the registration fee and the forum rules and stuff sort of trimmed out the bullshit that you get in a lot of other web forums. Unless you decided to go into BYOB. And and the fact that like everybody was willing to take the piss out of you all the time, you know, like you say some dumb shit and you get called out. And I feel like that helped me grow and, you know, understand different perspectives sometimes. Honestly, that's what the uh, goon parenting group is like too. This was very much no bullshit. If you do something stupid or if your spouse is being like an incompetent douchebag, it's <laughs> basically no sugarcoat let you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that was part of the appeal was that a bunch of us started out as like these kind of tryhard edgelords and something awful like would really slightly encourage that at the very beginning. But as time like went on, they would just be like, dude, this, these jokes suck. Like this humor sucks. We need to like drop all of this. And like, you need to work on being a better person as well as like the humor that you carry around with you. I mean, I think on top of that, I, I really got into Let's Plays a lot through something awful. And it was pretty early on when Let's Plays were a thing. Yeah. I mean, some would argue that they started on something awful it sounds like some stupid origin story of like, where is the true original pizza parlor or whatever. I don't know. I don't really know. But they also had a certain caliber for their Let's Plays. And they had suggestions for people who were posting Let's Plays there. So that was actual good content. Um, because then once Let's Plays started increasing in popularity, there was a lot of bullshit that you had to wade through if you just went to YouTube and just searched whatever. Totally. Can you guys talk about like the impact something awful has had on like the wider internet? Because like the Let's Plays are just one example. Um, I think some of it has to do with like, like you'll see if you think of the term like weird Twitter, right? Most of the weird Twitter personalities got their posting starts within like niche something awful sub forums. Like for the longest time, and I don't think this forum still exists. People can correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure they've since shuttered it. But there was a a sub forum called Fuck You and Die that was literally just like the weirdest of posts possible. Like just like you, you look at it and you're like, am I witnessing like, people having schizophrenic like breakthrough or am I actually like witnessing like ironic internet posting and so much of like the weird Twitter personalities just got their start 
with just messing around with the style of posting within the context of fuck you and die. Totally. Didn't, wasn't Reddit sort of born out of the next goon who was like sick of Yeah. I feel like it was. I know for that like 4chan was obviously birthed out of something awful mm-hmm. when Moot got sick of certain forum rules within the posting of stuff on something awful. So he built his own little web forum. Yeah. But, so there were definitely negative um, shockwaves yes. that came out from that. Absolutely. Can you guys talk about the uh, subscription part of something awful and how that worked to like weed out people? I'm trying to think. I think it was $10 to make an account. And then if and then if you got your account banned, it was ten bucks to get it back. Am I correct? I think yeah. It depended on the type of ban. If you were like perma banned, you're not getting it back. Yeah. Well, you could get it back, and they would eventually find out and just perma ban your new account. That's but, true. So you'd just be wasting ten dollars each time. Yeah, and it was then, ten bucks to get it back. You could see people's rap sheets. That was pretty cool. Oh, that is really cool. Yeah, you could that. you could literally see it. What people were banned for? It was pretty great. Yeah, that's that's really smart. I think that like like footprint of being able to keep track of people makes perfect sense, and that's something you lose a lot of the time on like Reddit and 4chan. But like yeah, the it other, counted, it counted probes and bans, so you could see how many times somebody had been probated. And yeah, silenced essentially. Yeah, and like yeah. the other thing was that features weren't available unless they were available to like paid users, so you couldn't search the forums unless you were willing to pony up an additional five dollars you couldn't change your avatar on the forums unless i think it was another five dollars there was a handful of other things you couldn't do without paying for it yeah you could buy you could buy avatars for people for yes yeah text avatar that was always fun it's a good bit yeah you could publicly embarrass people online by picking their avatars for them it was great i mean and on top of that at least back in the day, I don't know how much this happens anymore because I don't lurk in many forums, but there would be mod challenges where somebody would get banned or um, muted or whatever, um, and they could be on banned or their ban could be delayed until they completed this mod challenge. And if like, I don't know. I don't, I don't remember the exact terms of one of it, except that one mod said that he would eat his own hat if, <laughs> if the user like won the mod challenge, which yep. he did. And so then he was like, all right, I'm going to eat a fruit hat. And I'm pretty sure he got ill and could not finish it. Yep. I seem to recall this. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, yeah, like I think, I think in terms of like, managing a community and keeping people in line while like also letting people like be funny and be weird it really seems like something awful like threaded a needle that like nobody else like figured out how to do with the internet would that is that fair i would say that's pretty fair personally like the when i was on there the band system i would argue was a pretty fair band system and most people weren't just like banned for asinine bullshit or just like people were banned obviously for being assholes but it wasn't all that often that it's like your band just comes down to you being an asshole there's usually generally a specific rule somebody was violating yeah 
Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, because I mean, like, like there's there's like a fine line between like letting people say whatever they want to be able to like actually be funny and like explore like posting different jokes and shit like yeah. that, and then like being like too sensitive to like different things, where, to the point where like you don't give people the space to be funny and weird at all. I would argue that fuck you and die was basically that space, but sure. Kaylin and Andy can probably speak to that more than I can. Cause I feel like they were in there a lot longer than I was. I mean, I wouldn't go into Fiat a whole lot just because it was like anime porn gifts and like people using derogatory tor- derogatory torrent. Oh my slurs. God. You could just say slurs out the ass. Cause that's <laughs> yes. it. Yeah. Yeah because it was allowed there. And I mean, I think there's a hot minute in the early 2010s where they really eased up on slurs across the forums. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure people got pissed. Yeah. So <laughs> they ran that back in. Yeah, the banhammer rolled down shortly thereafter. Yeah. What about you, Andy? Do you remember much about the FIAD forum? I, I was never really a FIAD poster. And as, as far as something awfuls, you know, cultural impact, I suppose, if you want to be dramatic about it. Like, it always kind of followed the general zeitgeist, I suppose, you know, as things tended to get more progressive, thusly, the forums did, you know, that sort of thing. And what really, you know, it was a space for people to riff and make jokes and, you know, that kind of thing. But some folks got tired of it. It eventually crossed the line for some people. And, you know, that's kind of why I left. There was a, wasn't really an effort to kind of clamp down on the transphobia and other kind of bullshit going on. So totally. just kind of, I, I just kind of figured, you know, it had run its course. It was a good time, you know, when I was in college and it gave me something to do, something to post, you know, football fun house. That's right go lions but uh <laughs> yeah i think something awful had its had its moment and i think that moment has passed but it was a good time good time to remember for sure yeah, i think that's that's pretty accurate i would argue i mostly just use it for the cooking sub forums nowadays <laughs> what kind of stuff gets posted in the cooking forums you know not as many weird things as you would think but they have like really neat competition where they call it like iron chef something awful so they give you like three ingredients to make a dish out of and mm. then you can obviously add to that right but you have to use those three ingredients so you get to see some pretty neat ideas from other people cool yeah i don't right. know it's like it's like a purely creative forum that they really Kaylin, you'd mentioned earlier that like experts found their way into something awful for a lot of different stuff like why do you think experts were drawn to this like kind of shit poster forum i'm not sure how many people who were at like true expert level signed up when they were experts um i think it may have just attracted people of a certain caliber who mm-hmm. then completed schooling and went on and blah because blah, blah, blah. i mean there's a number of actual mds doctors and various subjects now uh, in any of the subforums, so yeah, I don't know how in the early two thousands how many actual MDs right. would have given a shit about this yeah. stupid comedy website. Yeah. Um, so I, I I think that's just something that's evolved over time. Totally, that makes sense. 
Yeah, I mean, I could basically see it as being like, oh, cool, like I have this like stressful education that I'm pursuing, but also I have this like weird, meaningless comedy website that I can occasionally post on to get steam out. Can you, I, I just realized we didn't get into this from the jump. Can you guys explain like how something awful got started and like what the original intent was of it? I feel like, okay, so I'm trying to rack my brain for this. So something awful originally basically got started as like a, another one of those early, let me think here. It's definitely not early 2000s because it predates that late 90s like gaming humor websites that were prevalent around them, like people making fun of the gaming establishment, as it were. And then slowly it evolved over time from people becoming like fans of the front page content to writing for the site and eventually becoming like this clearinghouse of, I guess, internet weirdo writers, for lack of a better term. For sure, for sure. I guess like, Something Awful was like a clearinghouse kind of for everything that people who wrote for Something Awful considered to be like bad bad internet, like bad internet design, bad internet content, like hmm. weird niche internet communities or interests that were otherwise just weird, I guess. And it would just be their way to like dump it onto a site and make fun of it. Totally. Can you guys talk about um, like goons you've met IRL and like what that's been like to sort of like cross from like the people you know from something awful to like doing this round table with people in real life? I mean, I've met a handful of goons mm -hmm. in real life. Um, that's kind of like meeting anybody from the internet. It's yeah. really a crapshoot, um, <laughs> especially with something awful because there are like what tens of thousands of users maybe more by yeah. now i don't even yeah. know um and they're all goons so they're all awkward usually to some extent and i know i've probably been the weird awkward one meeting somebody at times but i mean it it's been helpful because i know when i moved cross country from new mexico to wisconsin i uh was posting in the Madison thread to just sort of get a feel for the town and what there was to do. And we ended up um, meeting a goon who came over and helped us uh, move some heavier furniture when we were moving in. And, and then we uh, met a couple other goons who this previous one who we met had already met, you know, whatever. Words. Um, anyway, we went, we went downtown for some drinks um it was pretty fun i just remember the one, one guy's last name was rock and he introduced himself to us and said rock as an rock in the usa and he would like oh. use that line even with servers and shit <laughs> that's drink. really good they're like that, oh you want to like go to your what's your name and he's like rock like rock in the usa <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible <laughs> that rocks um so i mean yeah and and I've, I've i've made some some friends through there as well i've also met some people who i have not met back up with yeah <laughs> totally totally i've never met any other goons in real life uh other than these folks here uh 
I do have some some internet friends from the old C-SPAM days that I still talk to occasionally, and they're doing they're doing well. So it's good to see people grow and become bigger. You know, more than just shit posters. More than yes, we're more than just shit shit posters now. <laughs> I uh, knew a couple of goons when I was in college, but we haven't kept in like super great touch they're they're totally fine decent people but i like would hang out with them and play fighting games with them every other weekend and we just grew apart but we had similar shit posting tendencies so that's what drew us together oh yeah that makes sense um yeah no it it seems uh, are there any goons that you keep in touch with like off of something awful that you still have like a strictly internet relationship with Uh, I don't have any, well, hold on. No, I can't think of any offhand that come from something awful. Other places, but not something awful. Sure. I guess technically I do through the goon parenting group. Mm-hmm. Though not everybody in there is a goon. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all aware of what something awful is and what it means to be a goon. But like sure. other people were invited through right. somebody or whatever, so... I mean, and the people in that group are like literally from around the world. So there's no way I'll ever meet them all right. in person. Right, right. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a Facebook group and we've got a Discord now. And sure. it's, it's, it's really, it feels so far removed from something awful at this point. Right. Um, that like, it's more of just a parenting community where we all have like a similar parenting mindset we're all very science minded um what else i was gonna say with that (laughs) but i mean yeah it's it's very remote we do have a couple members who do still lurk like the pregnancy and the parenting threads um mostly just to identify people who would jive well with the group and reach out to them and send them a private invite. Totally. Do you guys want to talk about Lotax as a personality and what he's like? I mean, we could. We I don't, don't think so. Talk no, about his, his terrible history now, but yeah, I think it's just important to be like, this guy started the site. The site no longer has anything to do with the guy. Sure, sure. Yeah, and I think if people want to look up stuff about him, they can on their they own. Can. Yeah, I don't want to go into it. I don't even know what happened to Fragmaster and at what point. See, he, like, I don't either. And Fragmaster was kind of cool. All I remember is even before I lurked was seeing the Doom House video. And like that was like right up my alley for comedy weirdo internet on the internet at that time. Yeah, I think that's also like a thing is that something awful was like on the cusp of like, like right now when you look at what millennials are like what kids get into on YouTube, something awful created like most of that aesthetic. Like people from the forums were like, oh, like before there was Tim and Eric, there was the weird something awful random aesthetic, I guess is the best way to put it. Totally, yeah, yeah. I feel like that's a good comparison because I feel like Tim and Eric has always been somewhat hit or miss. Um, Yeah. Like some of it's just really stupid and not actually funny. A fair amount of it, I guess. 
corresponds well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would say a fair amount of the something awful stuff is also hit or miss. For sure. Uh, anything else we want to talk about? Anything else we want to touch on? Yeah. So so we'll we'll talk about Vile Rat. Everybody's everybody's familiar at this point with Benghazi, right? And Vile Rat was a poster on something awful. He was a mod in the D&D forum, and that's kind of where I first ran across him. Uh, he was also very active in the football funhouse forums and the game day threads. And with him being, I think he was on a uh, contract IT worker at the consulate in Benghazi. So with him being over there, you know, he would have to wake up or stay up super late to be able to watch the San Diego Chargers game. The San Diego Chargers were like, that That was his team. And I I wouldn't say I knew Vile Rat, you know, I just posted with him, but I always thought he was a cool dude. And, you know, the Chargers, I, I rooted for the Chargers too. So Vile Rat was a cool guy and it was a bummer to lose him. So that's, that's really all I have to say about Vile Rat. Good, good. Good dude. Yeah, very good dude. Yeah, he was, for those who don't know, he was killed in the Benghazi attacks in, I can't remember the exact year. I think it was 2012. Yeah, Yeah. but they tried to place blame on so many other people, but it was very clearly like, okay, it's just like an unfortunate set of circumstances and unfortunately, Sean got caught in the middle of it. Yeah, that just happened to, it's just weird, you know, something that massive that happened on the other side of the world impacted me because now he wasn't posting on the game days anymore. You know, it's just like, I missed seeing his avatar. Totally. It wasn't there anymore. So it was kind of weird. Wow. Yeah, that's surreal. Have you... Have you known any goons who have died, even if you like didn't know them directly? I'm kind of curious because I I knew a couple. I don't. I feel like I saw memorial threads, but I don't think I've ever seen like. I don't think I've ever been in direct contact with anybody that passed away. I mean, there's one woman whose story I was following, and she had cancer, and I mean, she knew she was going to die, which is why I was following the thread. Yeah. Um, because it was. I don't even think it was her direct thread. She was just posting in the cancer thread, um, which is a really heavy thread to read if you ever weighed into it. Uh, but I remember when she died, the memorial poster was. Um, and then I had a goon who I met in person because they lived here in Madison and we both worked for the same shitty employer uh, and we had both left and he died shit it had to have been like three years ago maybe four years ago this mm-hmm. august i don't even know how he died because his family never really said he was like drunk after the bar and riding his bike home and then like nobody heard from him the next day yeah weird but okay i i still don't know exactly what happened yeah. but um he was he was he was one of the better goons that i ever met in person so I still get kind of bummed yeah. about that sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's internet relationships are so weird like that because like, y- you know, somebody so well in a sense, we also like they're a stranger and everything. So it's, it's a very weird way to lose somebody. I mean, I met his mom at yeah. his, um, 
you know, his funeral, I guess it was kind of a wake. I don't know, a celebration of life. I don't know what you would call it. Right. Um, but me and one of the other goons who had hung out with him in person in Madison were there and she came up to talk to us and was like, yeah, you were like the first people he met when he moved here and he always spoke so highly of you. Oh, and then she was like, how did you guys meet? <laughs> so then it turned to <laughs> us talking to his mom about something awful and trying to explain <laughs> what these stupid forums were. And that I remember rocks, being man. like, that rocks. I remember being like, yeah, like it was different from other forums just because like you had to pay a fee to sign up and they had rules so that people weren't total assholes and they posted. And it yeah, really... they had the four Ma'am, the how much time rules, do you got? So. Let, let me, let me yeah. get so, started here. Well, let me just wrap this up in that, you know, we finished kind of explaining what something awful was at that super, like superficial level. And then she was like, Oh, that makes me so happy to hear that he was on that type of community. <laughs> oh, that's incredible. That, that know, rules. Right? Yeah, dude. Like, you could have kept her there and told her the whole history, starting with low tax all the way to the end. It was just... That's yep. incredible. That, that rules. I'm, I'm glad she was happy. That's so funny. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, what, Andy, do you have anybody that you remember passing away from your time online on the forums? Other than Vile Rat, no, not really. Yeah, the closest I can come is that one dude, Caro, but we weren't sure if Caro was actually alive or if he was in a Syrian prison camp. But then it eventually was released that I think it was Obama got him released right in the last year of his presidency. I could be but wrong like, that. He actually was a like prisoner of war. Oh, yeah, dude, he was actually like a prisoner of war and like a hidden prison camp and as part of like some deal that we made with syria they released him along with like a hundred other people jesus yeah yeah he was and he was like i don't want to really talk shit about the guy because good on him for like doing kind of what he did like good on him for having those morals and ethics but at the same time he also just learned how to do like doctoring from sitting on youtube and watching people doctor other people yeesh yeah yeah, he, he entered the Syrian Civil War as a medic, and he learned doctoring just by sitting on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. But I, we were all convinced that he was, like, dead in a Syrian prison camp, but now yeah. they released him eventually. Wow. That's fucking wild. Yeah. Yeah, something awful is full of what just wild people. Totally. Oh, I remember something I was going to say when we were talking about how, like, online communities are so good. Um, and I remember... I think really, especially in the past year and a half with the pandemic, having an online community of any sorts has been incredibly helpful for my mental health. I don't feel like I relied on something awful as much, but I know some people definitely did. Um, and I was reading the coronavirus thread before things really blew up here in the United States. Mm. And just seeing everybody post in there and like, oh my God, I don't know. Especially during the summer when all that shit with low tax went down and for a yeah. hot minute, they weren't sure if the forums were going to keep existing or not. <laughs> People were like freaking out about losing this community. But like, I mean, I understand that on a level because I've had initial appointments with either doctors or therapists or whatever. And especially since the pandemic, they've asked, you know, what sort of support groups or communities you have and like most people will be like well we're in a pandemic i don't see anybody what the fuck 
And I was like, well, I have a couple of online communities. And they're like, no, that counts. That's totally awesome. And that really helps people. So, I mean, I think especially in the last year, it's, yeah. it's definitely been a big help to a lot I of people. Think, I think this has been like the, the final like nail for people admitting that like online communities are like just as valid ways of like forming connections with people as anything else that like, you know, especially with the pandemic, it was just so much better to at least have those kinds of connections than like really be truly isolated in your house or whatever. Yeah. And I think there's a lot that can be said about the value of just an online community as like a safe space to be like, okay, cool. Well, here's things I could post about that aren't like some my parents know about or stuff my friends know about. And I can share it with these strangers who won't judge me. Totally, totally. Cool. All right. Can't think of anything else to add. Does any? Yeah, I think, I think people splice together into a really nice episode. Yeah. Cool. Sweet. Right Thanks listening. for having me. Yeah. Do you guys have any Twitter accounts that you guys need to plug or anything like that? No. <laughs> yeah, but it's not a big deal. Okay. You can find me on the internet. Okay. I have a Twitter account. I don't remember the last time I actually used it. <laughs> thank you so much to andy and caitlin for talking with us something awful really remains the uh, perfect encapsulation of everything i love and hate about the internet Uh, obviously there were a lot of horrors posted to there uh, but it's also a pretty remarkable community and I don't think the internet would look the way it does uh, without something awful. Thank you so much for listening to Vague Booking. Please do the usual bullshit of reviewing and subscribing to help us keep growing. Our theme music is by Chucky Anvil. Check him out on SoundCloud. All of the music is credited in the show notes. If you'd like to support us and help us stay ad-free and independent, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash vaguebookingpod. Cheers!